Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spiritual Rebels and Misfits podcast. We are really excited that you're here to get weird with us. <laughs> and we're going to have all kinds of you know absurd ideas playing around with magnificent guests. And we're just going to go to places you always wanted to go. But, you know, you couldn't tell mom and dad how you felt about aliens, about channeling. You couldn't say fuck. I'm Ashley Bradley. I am a mom. I am an intuitive business coach. I'm a business psychic and a channel. And I am James Lester. I am an open homosexual. I'm a speaker, a writer. I am a member of the recovery community, and I am a queer activist. So before we dive into tonight's topic about addiction, which I feel like I'm kind of surprised that we didn't go here in season one, like that it took us all the way until 25 episodes in to go to this topic, but I'm excited and I'm curious of having you and Alyssa and Alicia. There's a lot of A's tonight, like, and so that'll be fun. Um, but what do you want to dive into before we, we go into the topic? Do you want to talk about Sedona? Yeah, I'd love to talk about Sedona. It was your birthday, two-day getaway, and it was magical and amazing. And I really wish everyone that is enjoying our podcast and conversations could have been with us because it was really mm, just... Mm. Well, I mean, I would love all of you guys like at a retreat, but the point was like spaciousness and quiet time, so... I mean, can you imagine like all of our 12 listeners in the car with us? <laughs> <laughs> that would be but, crowded. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is beautiful. Those of you who haven't been to Sedona, Ashley first took me to Sedona a, a few years ago before we see Abraham Hicks. And it's just a magical town, man. And it just brings, I feel such a connection to God and to universe and to everything calm and peaceful and true. And we're there. How would you think of our, our little getaway together? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, when you try to take photos and videos, it's like the beauty of it doesn't translate really well. Cause you're right. Like I was looking at our videos and we're just like, look at this beauty. Oh my God, it's glorious. And like, I look at the video and it's like, you can't tell like how red the rocks are. And like the contrast of just like these red rocks with these green trees is just amazing. And I feel like it is, you just feel the energy there. You just feel different. It's said to be like very activating. It's said to be a, um, an amplifier of energy. So whatever your, sending out to the universe, whoever you're being, whatever you're doing while you're there, it's said to amplify that energy, which is one of the places that, um, I feel like we like to go to be really intentional about that. And it's kind of been that chapter marker where it's just like, Oh, I feel like I'm entering into a new stage of my journey. Like I just feel called back to Sedona. It's time to like make it official. But, um, yeah, I feel like it was just a really fun adventure. It was, it's always too short. Cause I feel like both times we've gone, it's been like a 24 hour time period that we've had there. So it's always very fast, but I loved it. It was just such a nice like adventure to go on and for us to like do our cacao and to do like our hike and, um, even to do our podcasts, like in person, I was feeling kind of bummed today that we were like, I was like, Oh, we're back to like doing it virtually again. Cause that was so fun. I it, it was, but you're right. Like we went to the airport vortex. Am I saying that right? I might be, I might be not who never knows. Mm-hmm. One never knows me, but like, it was such an adventure to get there. <laughs> like very, like the universe, we kept trying to be like, Oh, fuck it. We'll go somewhere else. Cause parking was a bitch. And the universe is like, what did I say? You're going here today. So we eventually made it back and you're right. Like the, the video and the pictures couldn't capture like the multi layers of, of mm-hmm. the universe and land. And it was way the fuck up there. And it just was, I felt just this moment of stillness. And if you know me or pay attention to the podcast, I'm very hyperactive. And to feel like that stillness was very, it's what I seek in this world experience, this life experience. It was a beautiful moment. And I got to share it with my best friend as she turns 37. It looks better than ever, girl. Yes, it's true. That's our, <laughs> new thing. <laughs> That's our other new thing that we, I came up with as my response, like for affirming compliments. 
Mm-hmm. So, so you, I'm practicing you, it if you want to, if you want to take that on as well. <laughs> yeah. So if you hear her saying, yes, this is true after a compliment, she's not being overly egotistical. It's, it's just true. Well, I mean, if someone had a problem with that, aren't we about owning our fucking light hair anyway? Like, shouldn't we be like practicing it? Damn girl, I hit, <laughs> I hit a button. I hit a button. I want to hit it again. Dang. <laughs> so with this topic, mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, what you most want to explore? Because I feel like we, like, we waited a long time to dive into this. And I'm trusting that, like, there was there was a maybe right time for us to have it, you know, maybe for us to get connected with Alyssa and for her to be a part of this conversation. But what is it that you really want to explore today? Well, our original intent on putting together a podcast is so we could have our really weird, sometimes obnoxious conversations together during the pandemic and invite other people. But, you know, like addiction can sound so like, oh, like digging for dirt or, you know, oh, my gosh, it could be so grim. And I definitely don't want to get into that aspect of it. I mean, I definitely want to hear everyone's story and their journey to realize there's an addiction to deal with in their human experience. But for me, the most important part is the healing aspect of it and the solutions we find, you know, when we find ourselves in the thralls of addiction, we find someone else in the thralls of addiction. You know, for me, it, it's what put me one foot in front of the other on a spiritual journey. And it's been the biggest gift of my life. And, uh, you know, whenever I say I'm a grateful alcoholic, that is the reason I say I'm a grateful alcoholic, because it shoved me to go find connection with the universe. And it shoved me to read all these beautiful books, to reconnect with my best friend I hadn't seen in years, to, you know, go to Sedona, to like pray, meditate, like to actually have that experience was due to my addiction. And, you know, for any of you not familiar with alcoholism, you, we always say like, it's either going to be solved, you know, chemically or spiritually. There's no in between. You're going to go to one or the other. And thankfully I'm in spiritual solution now. And it's, it's beautiful. So I definitely want to talk about the beauty and the hope in it. And if anyone's out there listening, that's suffering or wondering if they're like, they are, you know, one of the isms know that there is hope and it's beautiful on the other side of the mountain. You know, it's not all terror and frightening and like, you know, dirty motel rooms, you know, on the other side of it is beauty. So that's the part I'd most like to explore. And I, do you think it's important to like hear like some of your backstory for people that don't know you for this topic? Like, I mean, I think that sometimes we assume that everyone listening has like heard bits and pieces of it, but like, let's say if this is like the first conversation that people are coming to, like, is there anything about them that you would want them to know? So like cliff notes, like cliff note panel, whatever you want to (laughs) share that you think would be important for people to like know you and, and your connection to this topic. Okay. Okay. I can go there. Um, yeah, I am James. I'm a grateful alcoholic. Uh, it, it was a long road for me to admit and to get to the place where I could say I was an alcoholic. It was 20 years of fighting it, refusing to surrender, showing all the signs, refusing to surrender, you know, being hospitalized, institutionalized, having grand mal seizures from lack of alcohol in my system, no prostitution, the whole nine yards, like, and I just was obsessed with the drink and the drugs that came with it. And, you know, Ashley and I first began our, our friendship many moons ago, and I lost connection with her because I was so obsessed with the drink. That's the only thing that took consideration in my life. And I, I went through several beautiful, not several, it sounds like I'm like, I don't know, Elizabeth Taylor, but a couple of amazing fiancés. Um, and I sacrificed our relationship to stay in my addiction, to stay drunk. And I really, you know, I know we're going to talk about it next month. I went through a near-death experience that really forced me to look at myself in the mirror. And I, I still wasn't ready then. But a couple of months after that, I, I surrendered. You know, it's about three, three, uh, three years, nine months ago, I surrendered. And since then, I, I'm a recovered alcoholic. I've recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. Uh, I now have hope. I now see the world differently. And it's brought me to this place of absolute certainty in 
a connection to the universe and God. And I never had that before, you know, absolutely never had that before. So it was a long journey. I do work a 12 step program that I try to be respectful of and kind of keep, you know, a couple shades of gray about what that necessarily is, but I think you can all figure it out. <laughs> and, you know, I think part of the reason that we waited so long on this is, you know, it's a, a show about spirituality and things weird and stuff like that. And I didn't want to minimize it or maximize it. But, you know, if you find yourself just stuck in an obsession with anything, sex, you know, compulsive shopping, compulsive eating, it's because you're really missing out on the, a greater connection to the universe or to God. Those spiritual highs are, are what I wake up for every morning and I, I feel at least one or two a day on the worst days. And I feel several on the best days. So, you know, if you are struggling with anything, know that there is a way out. And I, I think that's enough of my backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we wait for this like later, like after we're, we have like Alyssa in here, but I think I'm really curious because I know that we also have a lot of people that are like healers and, and light workers and, um, people that do have different forms of, of trauma and, and some relationship to alcoholism or addiction of some kind in their past. And I think I'm also just curious to explore like the spiritual perspective of it and sort of looking at, um, why do lightworkers or healers and maybe different theories of like what these traumas actually create in our lives and who we become because of them. And I think you're starting to touch on it, but, um, I think that's one of the things that I get really fascinated about. Yeah. And I mean, the, the 12 step program that I do work still keeping it you know, very, <laughs> but, uh, it, we do not have a monopoly on healing, you know, and I think there is vast arrays of how one will find themselves in a grip of addiction. I personally believe for myself, I was born with it within me. It's genetically encoded in me and I set it off eventually. And I, I didn't know how to unset it. And so for me, I took myself to the brink of death to death and really, it was a spiritual journey that was going to bring me back. A lot of people go through, there's like Buddhist forms of healing and recovering. You know, there's all kinds of different forms of recovery and healing. You know, therapy helps a lot of people. Religion helps a lot of people. But my my journey was about, first and foremost, helping other people. Because I think when you're gone in something that is so mindless and you really don't accomplish anything besides being an alcoholic all your life. My being of service to other people in this lifetime is at the forefront of my life now. And that human connection, that spiritual connection to other people, it alleviated the obsession in my life. So I am curious to hear what, uh, you know, Lisette brings to the table with her own story and her own solution, but I really want this to remain solution based. So anyone out there that is seeking help or, wondering if they're just going to be like this for the rest of your life. There is another path. Um. And so before we bring in Alyssa, like I'm really curious of who's watching here with us. If you're listening to this in podcast form, um, we do record this live on Facebook. And so if you are watching with us today, I'm just curious to hear like your connection with this topic of addiction. Um, we're going to try something. Um, so <laughs> drop a one, like if like you've had a, a personal experience in, in your life journey, like with addiction of some kind. And I'd say like put a two if it's like some kind of relationship with addiction where it's like a, a family member or somebody close to you, maybe a spouse, a, a sibling that um, went through some kind of addiction. Or three, if you're just like, hey, I'm just hanging out because I'm just curious. I'm just curious and I'm here for it. Um, because we want to know, A, and also because it helps, it helps also your comments believe it or not, help this get in front of um, other people. So just say hi to us as well. You know, and I know. do, I do want to say this for anyone that isn't familiar with the podcast. Like this is in no way, like saying like, if you drink or do drugs, you suck. Like I am all about, you know, plant medicine, weed, that kind of drinking life for other people. But like today we're talking with people that like their soul got stuck in their journey because the obsession became too much or they know someone that the obsession became too much and mm -hmm. talking about that on our life journey. But if you are smoking weed and you're watching this drop like a, a five or a four twenty, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, totally like I did a little bit earlier, but then I was just like, there was really a part of me that was like, 
this is inappropriate. Like, I don't, I don't know. You're Maybe it's so not reference to this topic. <laughs> You're so silly, but no, but I think that's why, you know, this podcast is meant to look at the human journey from different angles. You know, everyone's got a story and everyone's story is welcome. And this story is just to really <laughs> join me. So I was scolding her beforehand. I was like, did you smoke weed before this? She's like a couple of hours ago. And I was like, God fucking damn it, Ashley. Like, do I have to put this in our contracts? We don't have contracts. <laughs> um let's bring in Alyssa and so Alyssa is an engineer turned astrologer and so Mm. I love her mind and how she looks at astrology and she has a company called soul design just separately from from why she's here so hello Alyssa how are you you're muted girl but you look beautiful (laughs) Uh, thanks, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so will you just give a little bit of a background? Because like I know when we threw this out there, we're talking about addiction, and you were like, Oh my god, I'd love to join this conversation. Can you tell us a little bit why like this is something that's important to you in your life journey? Yes. Um, so my addiction is sex and love and I was excited to talk about it because it's not really, I guess, like a common addiction that people probably really think of when they think of addiction. And so I love sharing my story and getting it out there. And, you know, sometimes people really, and then they can, you know, get the help they need to. Um, but it's, I, it, it just did so much damage to my life. It ruined so many friendships. Um, it really hurt myself. Um, it got me into some really dark places. And once I was willing to like, let go and start my journey of healing and, um, not falling into these addictive relationships, it just opened so many doors for me. And so I just love to talk about it and tell people like, you can get out of it. Like, you know, you don't have to stay in these addictive relationships. So I love that. And I, I love that you say that a lot of people don't think about it, but I know a lot of motherfuckers that are addicted <laughs> to love and, and sex. And I mean, I think sex in the right form is amazing and lovely, but yeah, it can, when you become obsessed with it, when it becomes your every thought, is that kind of the journey you were on originally? Yeah, for me, it was, um, I, so I actually like went into the program thinking I was a sex addict and learning I was actually a love addict and I used sex as a way to get my love. Um, and it didn't work obviously. Um, (laughs) and yeah, it also, I mean, it stemmed from a lot of things. Um, like, uh, my generational trauma that there's a lot of people in my family history who have like the same path, um, same things that they've been through. And then I had some sexual abuse that added to it. Um, And just like my childhood, I like grew up without a dad. So I never really had any like strong male figures in my life. Um, so I just didn't really know, um, how to like receive love properly. And so I just kind of, I guess after the sexual abuse, I made it up in my head. The only way to receive love is from sex. And the only way to get respect is, and like get somebody to stay with me is have sex with them. And it, yeah, it just did not work. (laughs) Well, I'm so thankful that you're, honest about that because I I do see people that even overcome other addictions, they still are not aware that they're still trying to fill that hole, that hole in their heart or their soul through relationships with other people. And I think women and gay men, especially we use that sex to try to, Oh, you're going to love me now. Uh, I've given a piece of myself to you. You're going to love me now. And you're right. It never works out. So can I ask you a little bit about your road to, healing or what you've done to really mend that, that part in yourself? Um, so it's actually interesting. I got to go a little bit backwards into my addiction again. Um, I, my last relationship was super, super awful. He was, um, a narcissist, um, (laughs) completely ruining my life. Honestly, uh, we broke up 11 times in the span of 11 months. Um, it was super toxic. I tried to fight him. That's where my addiction took me. Um, and at one point, um, I met somebody else and I tried to just like jump into this thing with this guy. Um, and I don't know, it just, obviously it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to make me forget about my ex. You can't just like jump from person to person and like magically heal. Um, but after trying this with this guy for a week, um, 
like I had slept with him and I hated it. I didn't want to sleep with him, but I couldn't not. And, um, I was supposed to hang out with him again. And I actually called him and I was crying. He probably thought I was crazy <laughs> because I'd only known him for a week and I'm crying because I have to end things with him. Um, and the second I hung up the phone, I had this whole spiritual awakening. And, um, like I went from being this super like hateful atheist to like understanding the whole universe. <laughs> um, and it kind of like opened me up and it, um, it gave me this awareness that like, you know, maybe I should go to sex and love addicts anonymous. Cause I had a friend who was in it and I also had seen it on like a TV show and I'd been thinking about it. But like after that awakening, I was like, I need to go there. Like that's the only place where I'll get help, um, for this. And then it's just been a journey of like digging into my past. I've been reading so many books about like generational trauma, childhood trauma, um, and just, yeah, just a lot of books and, um, talking to people who are like me and had similar stories where, um, you know, they also had these addictive relationships and they did things they weren't proud of and just knowing I'm not alone and I'm not crazy. And, um, like there, I can get through it kind of thing. I don't have to keep doing it. That's what saved me. <laughs> Very nice. Ash, you got any questions thus far? I'm curious for you, like with your spiritual journey, like how we were talking about before you hopped in, like, do you feel like this is like connected to your, your wisdom? Like has, has it become connected to like the way that you view like your mission or your purpose? Do you, do you see it as interwoven or was it just sort of like the catalyst that like created the awakening for you? I definitely, it definitely was a catalyst. That's for sure. And I do see it as kind of like, it's, it's a little stretch, but I can see it being interwoven where, um, when being in these, addictive relationships, I completely lost like myself. I, I had no idea who I was. Um, I wasn't being me. I was being whoever the person I was with wanted me to be. Um, and now I'm kind of discovering that what I want to do, like my mission is I want to help others like be authentically themselves, which is what I'm trying to be, which is also part of what has saved my life. And so in a sense, I do think it came together, but it took a little bit to put the pieces together. <laughs> So I'm just curious because it's really interesting what happens with the thing that we're addicted to and our relationship afterwards. Like it took me a long time to, I, I don't mind when people drink around me. I'm kind of a pusher when people are drinking around me to get them drunker. Cause I'm the one that always tries to keep the, the party going or smoking weed or anything like that. But you know, with sex, it's so transformative. I think when you go through a bout of trying to use sex to win someone over and having it never work out your way, you can kind of feel burnt or terrified or disgusted by sex. What's your relationship with sex like now? If I can ask you. Yeah. And I wanted to say something too, that you reminded me of. Um, I knew I was definitely a sex and love addict and not an alcoholic when I went to a bar with my friend and I had no problem with her drinking. I was fine. You know, I wasn't um, tempted to drink, but I saw her texting three different guys getting attention from all these guys I swear I started itching and I was like, Oh, she has three and I have none. Um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, okay, this is real. Um, and for me, what I've been, my relationship with sex now is, um, for one, I'm taking a year off dating. I'm, I think seven months, maybe eight months in, I think it's more like seven or something like that. And, um, I, I've, t I've taken a step back from the program because I have other things I'm focusing on right now and I'm not worried about like relapsing. So I haven't, um, been doing program stuff, but I'll probably go back when I consider, um, dating because we do like a dating plan and you kind of like set yourself up to make sure that you don't fall back into those traps. And so I already know for me, like, um, I won't have sex with somebody for at least three months. Like I really need to get to know them. Honestly, I'm thinking it's going to be closer to six months because, um, like my last relationship, um, he was everything I wanted him to be until three months later, he was completely a different person. And so, um, for me, I really, really need to get to know somebody and make sure that they're actually being themselves and not like saying who they are to like get in my pants or whatever. Um, and yeah, so that's just kind of where I'm at. I also think I might go longer than a year cause, um, mentally I'm again, I'm at seven months, but I'm still, very damaged from that last relationship. Cause I'm, so I'm not sure if I'll actually be ready in a year. So I'm thinking closer to two years at this point, but I'm just going to kind of play it out and see what happens, I guess. 
That thing's that feels like complicated compared to like if it's drugs or alcohol, it's just like you just don't touch it versus like if it is sex or love, it's like obviously there's that time to like reintroduce it. So that's like I feel like it adds like a whole different layer that I've like never thought about before, you know? Yeah, it's super interesting. I know we talk about um, in our program, we have top lines and bottom lines. So our top lines are things you do to take care of yourself, like take a daily shower or like brush your teeth, um, face masks, whatever makes you feel good. Um, and then our bottom lines is it's different for each person. Um, because like for me, my bottom line is like, I won't have sex with somebody outside of a committed relationship and like, um, like no porn. Like that's my thing too. But for other people, like they have to cut out masturbation altogether because like, that's a problem for them. And like, you know, also we have like these middle lines, which is like something that you're doing that could like get you to a bottom line, but it's not quite breaking your sobriety. Um, and like, those are also, also different. Like for me, I would consider social media stalking, um, a middle line. Cause it's not something I really do. And if I do do it, it's like, um, I don't know. I don't really go anywhere with that. I do it like once to like get my answers and then I kind of try to like stop. But for some people that's their bottom line because that will just take them into this down- downward spiral spiral. So it's very different for each person. And then again, like with the introducing it back into your life, um, that's where the dating plan comes in, where you cater it to make sure that you are certain that you're going to be in a healthy relationship and, you know, not falling for, um, like the one or like jumping right into like, Oh, I'm going to marry him. And I don't even know him. Like stuff like that. (laughs) That's a lot to take into consideration. Um, do you, do you feel that, have you explored the shadow work aspect of this to find out within yourself, you know, it sounds like you are aware of some of the mechanisms of your addiction that you're trying to win over someone. So you're using love as a mechanism to win over someone, but have you had the chance to explore the shadow side of it? The side of you that really is, you know, trapped in this cycle of abuse when it comes to sex? Yes. Um, there's, I, there's so much <laughs> that's been the majority of my last seven months is digging into that. Um, my favorite book is this book called facing codependency and it goes through like every way you can like, I guess, traumatize a child and kind of lead them into this path of like codependency and p- potential like sex and love addiction. Um, and so just going through that and then my other books, um, and just, I guess like, I don't know, kind of looking at patterns of my relationships and seeing like what I liked in these people. And they're always, um, emotionally unavailable. Like they tell me they didn't want to be with me, but they're willing to be exclusive, but also not be exclusive. Um, and I don't know, just, um, I, I also have always been somebody who wants to save somebody else. Um, so that's kind of my shadow work is like, why do I feel like it's my job to save them? And kind of working with that and learning how to save people without drowning myself kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, do you relate to like that perhaps certain kind of men prey on women like you that will look look for that, uh, like the kink in the armor or the hole in the heart and then use you for sex? Has that been your experience? Yes, a hundred percent. And it's actually, um, interesting because I've, as I've becoming been becoming more aware of like everything, I guess, Um, I've been noticing the way guys do this. Um, and they like try to do it to me now. And I just kind of like call them out. I'm like, you can't manipulate me into doing something I don't want to do. Um, and so it's kind of like funny to me now, but it's, it's sad that like, that's a thing. And it's like normalized also. Yeah. Men (laughs) praying on women is totally normalized. And when you said porn, just so you know, if this question goes too far, you can just tell me to shut up. I'm totally fine with it. But is there addiction for porn for you or is it porn with the other guys you're with that is like a no, no for you? Uh, for me personally, it's both. Um, just cause, uh, for like my own personal, like I'm not judging anyone else, but for my own personal morals, um, I'm just against porn. And so I just, I wouldn't be with somebody who, um, does watch porn because it just doesn't align with me. And I just feel like it's going to set me up for fighting with somebody. So I, that's an area I, I'm going to be picky on, I guess. And again, like no judgment to anyone who does it. Like it's totally fine. It's just not for me. 
So I do want to pull Alicia in because she is here. Hello, Alicia. Hi. Hello. Buddy. <laughs> nothing, nothing like doing a show in your boudoir. <laughs> I love it. It is amazing. It's perfect timed with this beautiful background and entrance. And energy. I know, but trust me, I just had to throw everything off of my bed. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be on live. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm so happy. Hi, everybody. I'm Alicia. Hello, hello, welcome. Yeah, I I hate to come in like in the middle of the party, but amazing. Tell everybody who you are and why we invited you to the conversation. Oh my goodness. I have a lifetime of recovery around sex and love addiction and compulsive overeating and around um, Al-Anon issues and being raised in a family with a mom who was a rageaholic and narcissist, not alcoholic but she had the ism Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of us get really stuck because, um, they, there's the ism there, you know, something's really bad and really wrong, but if there's no alcohol or there's no, you know, obvious addiction, you just can't figure out where to go. So in a certain way, I discovered Overeaters Anonymous when I was only 19 and I'm so grateful I did. So that, so real quick, sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. That's okay. I know right away when you say the ism, I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're yeah. talking about, and Alicia probably too. But do you mind quickly giving like a definition yeah. or your rendition of, of the that. ism? So our yeah, looking even hotter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the ism. So those that aren't you know too into program talk understand yeah. what ism yeah. is. Yeah. So what the ism is, is it's the dysfunction. Like the the function, the dysfunction is there. And then you add the alcohol on top of it. Mm. So for me, the dysfunction was there. And then I just added food on top of it. Or then later I added the love addiction on top of that. And so the, the, when we say, like I say, I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater and I'm a grateful recovering sex and love addict. And when I say that, like people are like, Oh, give me a break. Why would you be grateful for that? (laughs) And I get it. But the reason that I am, is that I imagine what my life would have been like had I not discovered the 12 steps. And yes, the 12 steps were written for alcoholics, but there's over 100, over 100 anonymous kinds of programs. And so I'm just grateful that I had that, the, the, the uh, food part that drew attention to the ism part. And so did I answer your question adequately? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And it, you know, in the, the 12-step program that I do work, it talks about the bottle is but a symptom. So those yeah. of you yeah. unaware, like, these are just symptoms of the ism that we're talking right. about. So my right. my relationship with the <laughs> bottle is the ism activated. Yeah. And the, the, the your relationship with the ism plays out in sex and love. Does that sound yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, predominantly food was the original the original way, the original symptom that it showed up as, cause I was only 19. And then after that is really just love addiction because I'm constantly looking for, I was constantly looking for someone to fill the endless well of needs that were not filled by my parent. Mm. And so like, I call it lava, love, attention, validation, and approval. Like Mm. I needed love, attention, validation, and approval. Like, like I needed it like an IV in my vein, Mm. you know? And so I was seeking, (laughs) as I said, seeking love in all the wrong places. (laughs) And so, so, but I was looking to every man in particular, but I've done love addiction with friends too. Um, but mainly I lead with love addiction and then in a certain way, a, a, a sexual component, it's not really comfortable for me to like describe it as an addiction, but a sexual component enters when I'm in a relationship, because then I kind of feel like I got to be all this and a bag of chips in the bed. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> you got the setting for it. <laughs> 
to make sure that I keep the guy. That's how it used to show up for me. And so, you know, I'm so grateful. I have uh, eight years and 10 months of sobriety and SLAA. Thank you. And I just on January the 4th celebrated my 40th year of abstinence in Overeaters Anonymous. So I really, I know I've really had a lifelong journey of working the 12 steps and it's amazing. Wow. That is congratulations. And I'm sure a lot of work went behind that. Can I ask you both about your moments of truth or your rock bottoms? What really Mm. like put the light on the fact that, you know, I got a problem here. I am obsessed with be it food or with love, with sex, what was the defining moment? As Oprah would say, we're going Oprah-ish with this. Good, really good, put, put good. you on the path if I can ask you that. Yeah, and I got to say hi to Alyssa. Mwah, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, just to get to travel this journey with Alyssa too and be on the show with the four of us is super cool. So I'm going to let you go first on this, Alyssa. Oh my gosh, do, I do you have a particular moment, Alyssa? Like a, you go ahead, hon. Sorry. Yeah, I, it's okay. <laughs> um, for me, it was really just, um, I don't know, at one point, you know, after one of the 11 times that I broke up with my ex in the 11 months, um, I realized just how alone I was and how dependent I was. And I'm just going to be really honest. I did... Um, have a thankfully failed uh, suicide attempt. And I think that was kind of um, my first little wake up call, but that didn't stop me from going back to him like four more times. But um, Mm -hmm. I think it was, it helped. It kind of made me see how much it hurt me to stay in a relationship like that. So that was kind of one of my things, I guess. Okay. Awesome. What about you, my dear? What was that shining moment where you're like, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, where shall I begin? <laughs> kind of like, which one? <laughs> so, so the beauty is that, you know, finding the 12 steps when I was only 19 years old was truly a miracle because I was born and raised in Oklahoma, the Bible Belt. I was raised in a very religious family. We were in the church every time the doors were open. My dad and my brothers were both kind of like elders in the church. And so one of the tenets of that was that you don't air your dirty laundry. It's you and God, like nobody else gets to hear your shit because you're not supposed to go to anybody else. No therapists, not even your friends really. And so the message was like, we don't talk about that. And so I went to my family doctor with my compulsive eating issue and it was, it was only like 25 pounds. You know, I wasn't like ridiculously obese, but I knew something was wrong because I couldn't stop eating. And I remember when I did the diet pills that I did the diet pills and I just cleaned my house like a mad woman, but I also kept eating. Mm. I kept eating. Like it was very clear to me as un evolved as I was at that juncture, that this was really wrong. And then my family doctor, he said, um, first of all, you better get help fast. (laughs) You know, I was only 19 and he put the fear of God in me. And he said, join a group that has the same goal in mind. And this is how just God is so miraculous or my higher power is that he gave me permission my, and he was very respected by my mom and dad too. He was our family doctor. And he said, join a group that has the same goal in mind. And on the way home on the freeway in Oklahoma city, the public service announcement came on and it said, if you can't quit feeding your face and you can't quit pigging out, call overeaters anonymous. And I'd never heard of any, and I hadn't even heard of AA at that point, you know, call overeaters anonymous. And I swear I went to my next meeting the next day. And, and I sat in a room with, you know, what we would call now fat serenes, which means that they're working the program the best they can, but they haven't gotten an ounce of the physical recovery yet. And I sat in the meetings, meeting rooms with those women just endlessly. And, um, the biggest thing that I heard is that you, God don't make no junk, you know, God don't make no junk. And I felt like junk. You know, the, the religion was abusive in, in a spiritually abusive way, 
And my family was definitely abusive and, um, you know, sexually abused at the age of five. So I felt like God made junk right here. Mm. So that was, that was my first epiphany. And, um, there were, there were very few Overeaters Anonymous meetings in Oklahoma city at that time. And I was sponsored by a woman who was being sponsored by an AA circuit speaker who was a priest, father, Larry. And Father Larry required, you know, Phyllis was my sponsor. And so he required her and all of her sponsees to go to um, 90 meetings in 90 days. And there weren't that many OA meetings. So we had to go to AA meetings. So I've sat in just as many smoke-filled rooms in Oklahoma as a lot of recovering (laughs) alcoholics have. (laughs) And and, uh, so, you know, I got spoon-fed from the big book. And, um, you know, then it took me, so that's, that's like burning bush number one, (laughs) like help. And then it does, there's a saying that we have in SLAA and in Al-Anon, and that is the credits don't transfer. Mm, Okay. I get Mm, that. You do? What does that mean to to you? The, The credits don't transfer. So does that mean that the work does not necessarily work for that program as it does for the other. Right. Right. That's exactly what it means is like my, my, while my obsession with food was zero, I mean, I had the full transformation. I lost weight. I just felt vibrant. I felt, um, like, like it, like it's supposed to, like the promises Mm -hmm. were true in my life, but there was this one little area over here that was like a black spot. It was like a cancer in my recovery. And that was my love addiction you know? And so that what the credits don't transfer means is that when people show up from AA and they've got all this recovery and they walk into the doors of any other program, because you know, they're AA and they act like they've got it all. They just need to figure out how to, you know, eat less, but they've got, they've got the recovery. And so they get a little bit of this and, and vanish off and that's just not how it works. And so, um, So I, my burning bush moment for SLAA was when I did remember when Phil Hartman's wife shot him and Mm -hmm. then shot her. That was when I was coming to the end of my sex and love addiction. And I was with who I call my flagship qualifier, the father of my son, my husband at the time. And when that happened, I was scared to death because I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I know how that could happen. Okay. Like, Like a lot of people going, what? How does that happen? I went, oh, I know how that could happen. <laughs> so, so can I ask you, did you, and you don't have to answer this, you want, but did you see how you could become that woman or yeah. how you could be born? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, so a, lot of people, a lot of people wanted to vilify her when that happened, but actually, you know, having done work in a in program and looking at mental, spiritual health, I too can see how that can happen when a oh, woman... Yeah has spun out of control. Can I ask you both? Cause this question kind of comes up a lot. You know, there's a lot of anonymity in the programs we work. And for me, I personally feel it's, I live my recovery out loud. I try to be, you know, very, very protective of my program and their traditions, but I feel it's important to live your program out loud for those still suffering to be able to reach out or see a light in someone else. How do you both feel about the anonymity that's supposed to be behind this all that this kind of like, keep it quiet. Like you were saying about Oklahoma, a lot of times in the program, it's like, Oh, don't broadcast your recovery. It's anonymous, but I kind of break tradition from that. What's your guys's feeling on that? Are your ladies feelings on that? Want me to go first? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm also, I am just open about it. Um, it's, you know, part of who I am and it's part of how I got to where I am. Um, and I think, you know, if I can share my story and somebody else sees it in them, then maybe it can help them. Um, but, you know, if I just keep it quiet, then they could be suffering longer than they need to. So that's just kind of my outlook on it. And I have no shame in anything. Um, so, I'm not, I'm very open about everything in my life. I'm fine to talk about anything. So that's, that's me. (laughs) 
What's, and what's your viewpoint on it? You have a, a lot of history in a lot of these different yeah. programs. You know what I mean about this whole yeah. kind of like keep it quiet thing? What's your viewpoint yeah. on that? Yeah, I think it was really different from my compulsive overeating recovery and my Al-Anon recovery to my sex and love addiction <laughs> recovery. Like, 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 uh-oh. So, and this is coming to light right now because in, during the pandemic on, uh, in October and November, I independently created, you know, something like a podcast that was called, um, SLAA recovery Q and a live with Alicia. And so I recorded these, you know, they were usually about an hour and they were just any questions because so many newcomers were coming in and they couldn't find a sponsor. And, you know, it's really weird when you're not walking into a meeting, you're walking into a zoom room and the isolation and all that. So I created this and on January the 6th, I woke up to a YouTube video that someone had taken my audio it was only audio, but it was done live. It was, it was in a room, room like this. And then I recorded it, but it was only audio and somebody had taken my audio, put it to a video of the beach and said, okay, we're putting this on the international SLAA, uh, new YouTube channel. <laughs> and I just had this moment like, wow, what do I do now? You know, and they were actually asking me for my permission to do it. Like mm-hmm. they just said, you know, like somebody on that, um, conference public information committee. Yeah. Conference public information committee for the whole fellowship worldwide. And, um, they said like, this is what we're creating and we want to get the word out. And we found your, (laughs) we found your recovery Q and a, can we do this? And I just thought like, why not? Yeah. That's a huge compliment. It is a huge compliment. And so there's probably going to be like 30 or 40, you know, videos, cause they're taking my hour long and splicing it out to like the one they sent me today was 12 minutes on, um, there's a unique concept in SLAA that I haven't heard in any, in any other, um, 12 step programs and it's called top lines. And we all have bottom lines, like in AA, you don't drink and, you know, in kind of an Al-Anon, you don't nag, <laughs> in, o- <laughs> in OA, you don't overeat. And in SLAA, it's a lot different. We all come with different kinds of issues. Like there's a whole, you know, group of women that are just prolific cheaters, And I have cheated. I'm not pure as the driven snow. (laughs) I have cheated, but I'm not a cheater. And so, but we come with different bottom lines, but our top lines, the things that we have to do to feel good about ourselves, because we're looking to other people for that lava so much, love, attention, validation, approval. We're looking to other people. So we have to learn how to give that to ourselves. So anyway, that, um, you know, being able to like allow those videos is like, okay, I'm just giving it to you, God. Like, this is it. This is it. That's one hell of a way to be of service. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and can I I ask you, we talked to Alicia about this earlier, you know, what is your relationship now that, you know, the obsession has been lifted with say Mm -hmm. sex and food. Are you at a place with peace with it? Is it a daily struggle or do you have a a new healthy relationship with, because for me drinking, you know, like you said, is the bottom (laughs) line, you know, drinking would spiral me, but you know, food and sex is part of the human experience that can be healthy. So what's your relationship like with both of those things now? Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that because it really is different. It is Mm -hmm. like if we took the, um, like the alcoholic or with alcohol, you take the tiger and you throw it in the cage and you take the key and you lock the cage and you throw away the key. The alcohol is done. That's just it. And with food and with sex and love, you take the tiger and you throw it in the cage and you lock the cage and you put the key in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to put the key in our pocket, huh? And, um, you know, it's been a rocky road during the quarantine for like all of my addictions. And so, but, but I get to see what it's like to work a 12 or to live a 12 step life 
as a result of working the 12 steps and that I really feel like 12 step people have been able to make it through the quarantine and through the whole coronavirus um, in a certain way easier because one of the core tenets is learning how to live life on life's terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't doll it up. I can't fantasize. I can't like, I have to deal with reality. That's one of the biggest things of love addiction is that, oh, he said hi to me on the frozen food aisle. And, oh, he asked me what I thought about this frozen, you know, dinner. Um, he asked me this and like, like we're in love by the time we get to the checkout counter. <laughs> <laughs> You're envisioning the whole future, eating that frozen oh dinner together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is a true story that at Trader Joe's one night, I ran into the guy who he is my type you know, like big broad shoulders, six, four. And, you know, we did, we had a little tete-a-tete in several different places. And then when we got to the checkout counter and he literally like walked out and just like, wait, and I got in my car and I literally cried. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I literally cried because of that empty vessel of search for lava like I saw in him the love, attention, validation, and approval that I so searched for. And so I'm not like that anymore. I'm really grateful that, you know, I can, I've had five sober relationships, but more important than five sober relationships is I've had five sober breakups. That's where you see if you healed or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't have to create a scene. Didn't have to like tear somebody to shreds just because they weren't what, you know, I looked for. So I don't remember what the question was. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we had several answers. Ashley, do you have any outside perspective questions you'd like? I know that I've kind of made a Ashley <laughs> informed with the program she's been gracious enough to go to panels or speaking engagements but do you have any questions with all this information at the round table well i feel like i could just talk to both of you on this topic forever and i know we're getting to the end of our time mm-hmm. i know that alicia you have a book and i was like looking at what you did because i also just want these ladies just to talk about like where people can find them mm-hmm. and what they're doing. Um, so can you talk about like, it's called the soul of sexuality. Is that your book or is that your, your site or both? Okay. Well, it's, you know, like it's something that because being a, an incest survivor, when I, you know, I met my first husband just minutes after I joined OA. So we, he and I were together for 10 years. And when I left that marriage, it's like, uh, Oh, I'm a whole different woman now. And how am I going to live? So I did what every woman does. And I wrote the seven principles of sexual power for women. (laughs) So I wrote the seven principles of sexual power for women. And I began to live by them. And, um, so I was so scared to actually bring that work to the world Um, I must've had a lot of processing I needed to do. And I did, took me 20 years to bring that work to the world and it took a pandemic also. And so I, um, introduced the seven principles of sexual power, um, and just looked at the book that I had written about that and realized that I, when I wrote the book, I didn't have the eight years plus of recovery in SLAA. So I'm in the process of actually rewriting it. But then I also realized there's this umbrella of what I'm really speaking about. And I'm really speaking about the soul of sexuality. Like the soul of our sexuality is that part of us that is innocent. It's before the addiction. It's before the abuse. It's before the world of double standards. Like it's that purest sexuality. And so one of my favorite things that I get to share with every single woman who takes my class, and it's been a three hour virtual (laughs) webinar, live webinar since September the 20th, is that I want them to experience the fullness. You can see my arms are stretched (laughs) off. The fullness of their sensuality and their sexuality. 
as they, as they deem it, not me, not their religion, not their mom or dad or brother or sister or anybody else, not their disease, you know? And so, um, I have an Instagram that's the soul of sexuality, a private Facebook page. And my goal is to really make a difference for women around the world. No woman left behind. And every woman gets to touch that freedom of her own fullest self-expression of her sexuality. Mm. Preach it, sister. Mm. Mm. Feels good. And I I I can bring you back for like a whole other episode. I feel like that's an emerging episode. Yeah, it is. It's an emergency episode. We can dig deep in that. That'd be great. That'd be great. (laughs) And and Solange is going to put up contact information for everyone, correct, correct, Ashley? Yeah, Solange, if you could drop that uh, links in the comments for Alicia and Alyssa. I feel like (laughs) there's so many (laughs) today. (laughs) Okay, she's already started doing it because she's so on it. Um, And then also in the show notes, I do have links for both of you. And then Alyssa, do you want to talk a little bit about what you're up to with soul design right now? Um, I'm really lagging. I don't know if you guys can hear me. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know what you asked me. I'm pretending like you're in Baghdad and we're just waiting for your response. <laughs> we're going to keep waiting. <laughs> the question okay, was ask how me one more they, time. I think I'll actually hear how, it how do they find, How do we find you? <laughs> How does yeah, the world what are you doing? You? What are you doing with soul design? Talk about plug yourself, girl. <laughs> okay. Okay, I think I understood that. So uh, with soul design, um, I'm an astrologer and I like to use um astrology and human design um to kind of come up with like a life purpose plan. And I'm currently going through uh, life coaching training and trying to get certifications, um, to help people align with their purpose and what they want to do. And yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) And I've had, I've had one of her readings and it is spectacular, like jaw dropping. I mean, we were sitting at the coffee shop reviewing it for the few weeks that we could be outdoors at a coffee shop. And it was like, wow, it just is really very, very touching. So yeah, I've gotten to know Alyssa and her work a little bit, and it's quite amazing. And I can't yeah. wait to learn more about your work. Thank you both so much yeah. for joining yeah. us and like bringing some light and some hope to some you know women out there and men out there that yeah. we can recover. We absolutely can recover. Yeah, and live totally full, complete, fully expressed lives. Like mm-hmm. I look at where where we're not fully expressed is where we start to decompose. Mm. And so when we're really living fully expressed, then that's when we don't have to turn to, you know, food, drugs, alcohol, sex, love, gambling, smoking, any of those kinds of things. So it's awesome. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you so much. Both of you amazing women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hi. It's just you and I again. (laughs) I loved all the different perspectives because I feel like I only see kind of like behind the scenes of the program that you work. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it was just really cool to like also think about like how many people watching this that might be working um, like a drug or alcohol related program might be like, Oh, there's more for me or people that um, haven't even thought about that. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like thinking about, I'm like, Hmm, like where do I, where are my lava moments? Like, do I have any lava moments that I should be like aware of? And I, I actually saw it in your eyes that like you were kind of looking at me since you're the only person that knows me from like my early twenties, like probably on Facebook, but I saw, I saw that look in your eye. I, I can, I can read you. <laughs> oh, Ashley in her twenties. I can't wait to write that behind the scenes book. Behind with the a, scenes yeah, book. With a Ford from Solange about who you really are. And it's <laughs> fabulous. But no, like I, I also want people to realize like if any of these things are hitting home, 
like when we, I know when, before I got to recovery, I thought like, that's going to be such hard, horrible work. I'm going to have to give up so much. I'm going to have to sacrifice everything that I love in life. You know, alcohol was my reason for waking up and going to sleep. You know, I went to sleep so I could wake up more and drink some more. But the mm-hmm. honest truth is doing the work, you can either go at it with a sense of terror and frustration, or you can go out with passion and hope. And I now love doing the work that I do. And I'm saturated in all, all the time, as you know, but you can either go at it like it's just going to be this horrible chore or it's, you can do what your soul brought you here to do on this earth plane is to learn and to vibrate up and to become the best human you can during your, during your human journey. So, you know, the choice is yours. So, so here's I, my question for you, because obviously I don't have an addiction that like my life would depend on. Um I think we all have different kinds of addiction, like Mm -hmm. of some kind. I think like even like our phones and like social media, I feel like that's probably an emerging one. But like, would you say that outside of um, maybe the program related stuff that you and I have sort of like found our ways for finding that inner value, inner validation or that inner acceptance or that I feel like surrender is always a big theme that comes up with both of us surrendering to like, the universe and surrendering to a higher power. And so do you think that like we've both sort of in different ways found our, our paths kind of walking parallel to each other? I think I'm just curious to relate this to other people that might be watching that might be curious, you know, about these different principles. Um, yeah. I mean, as both of them were touching on like the, the, the obsession with these things. We're all going to have sex issues. The program I work talks about it. Like you're, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have sex issues. We're all going to have, you know, sometimes have issues with food. We're going to, some of us will have issues with drink or drug, but it's really when you're plugged into this universe, whatever your God is, whatever your belief is, if your God is the ocean, you go surfing every morning when you're plugged in something greater than these obsessions it starts to lift. And I really believe these obsessions are hindrance for the bigger goal at hand in this earth experience. So whatever your obsession is, you can find a a balance in a relationship with it. If you do the inner work and you definitely went and did the inner work for like the seven or so years that we were apart. And I believe I did the work and we come together. Now we have this beautiful relationship, not only with one another, but with the universe in general. I think Mm -hmm. that answered your question. Yeah. 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 Cause I know that, um, one of my spiritual teachers, Lucinda, who like happens to, she's been one of our guests, she works a program and, um, she was talking about like, we were kind of overlaying. And I think at one time, like talking about like spiritual journeys beyond, you know, the big book. And she was like, well, you know, when it comes to like these different kinds of like awakening, she's like, whether people do it through a program, like she's like, there's different moments that people experience this. And I think she was kind of actually even talking about the tarot and sort of like the journey of it and the things that we face and was using it as sort of this, uh, kind of like a story, right. Of the journey. And I, I think I'm just sort of zooming out a little bit and just getting curious about, does everyone go on a journey like this? Like if they are to, go through a sort of like awakening process, you know, of really like allowing their own soul to shine through. And maybe some people it does come through, you know, drugs or alcohol or sex and love or food addiction. And for other people, it's like, I guess I'm just curious about the situations in life that like get people to finally surrender and be like, look, like whatever I'm doing isn't working out. (laughs) I'm going to get curious about other things. Well, you and I, you know, when we were riding home from Sedona, like I had this really like kind of weird, kind of sorrowful, bittersweet moment where I was looking at the window and we're talking. I said, do you think in our next lifetime we'll have any remembrance of this moment right now between you and I? So it was such a beautiful moment. Like the sun was setting so gorgeously. We just had a beautiful time. I was like, do you think we'll remember this? And my point is, I think that as we spiritually evolve that some people can come back to earth and not need a big bang moment to wake them up. They're just more spiritually evolved. They've had past lifetimes and they just kind of, as they grow, they grow on a spiritual path. I think some people will choose, unfortunately, to stay asleep because it seems like too much Mm -hmm. and staying in the artificial world is just so much easier. 
And then I think some people need a big bam moment, you know, or smaller moments. Mm -hmm. I think you had a whole bunch of smaller, you know, equally as important moments that put you on a spiritual journey. And I literally had to be beat to death to awaken to it. And so I think that we each have an opportunity to go the softer way to find our, our earth purpose or the harder way. And then some people just want to stay asleep completely. So I'm just thankful that you're my best friend and you're fully awake. I'm thankful you're my best friend. And um, thank you for having this conversation mm. and for taking us on this journey. And I feel like um, I'm trying to think what next week's conversation is. Do you remember off the top of your head without me are, looking at my notes? Are we, are we going twin flame yet? I feel the, like that is two weeks February. out. Yeah. I'm like next week. You don't remember? No. And he put me on the spot. Now you made me look stupid. <laughs> okay. So I just realized I do have to confirm our, we have Lisa joining us, but I'm like, Oh shit. I need to confirm our, one of our other guests. <laughs> so our intention is like a flip between spirituality and religion, because we mm -hmm. want to bring in like all different kinds of perspectives to a conversation. So I know that we're going to have someone that started um, with more of a relationship with the Christian faith and now would kind of consider herself spiritual, still honoring super down with Jesus and, you know, everything, but, but that there's other, I guess, a different relationship that she has to where she wouldn't be considered Christian. And then our other guests that we're looking for, there's a few people that I have in mind would be somebody that, um, was more broadly spiritual. I would consider it more like choose your own adventure kind of connection to spirituality, <laughs> not connected with an organized religion, but then they chose a specific faith, like whether that's Buddhism or Christianity. And again, talking about it from a very open place, because I think that when we are bringing, there's going to be a few topics where we are bringing in this concept of spirituality or religion. And we're looking for the similarities like versus the differences and where are we all essentially kind of saying the same thing, but we've just chosen our path because it has that greatest resonance for us and for our soul. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing next week. If, if that second guest, um, somebody that went from spirituality into organized religion. If there's somebody that you know that's watching right now, or if it's you, definitely let us know because I, I haven't confirmed that person yet. But the universe, <laughs> we're fucking trusting the universe to just bring the perfect person. It always works out. So people, that just, listen, on that, people right? that just listen to the podcast are going to be like, oh, I'm going to sign up for that. It's going to be like weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my love. I can't wait for next week. And I love you so much. I love you. We love you. Bye, you guys. Bye.